This is Vince McCauley. This is Coach Crayon of the Surrey Scorchers. This is Scott Melvin, CEO and co-founder of Buzz16. This is Rodney Glasgow for the Sheffield Sharks. This is Kennedy Leonard from the London Lions. And you're now listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. To the BBL Show. Enjoy the BBL Show. This is episode five of the Summer Road Trip here at the BBL Show. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. We are with Sam Nita this week of Hoops Fix, one of the leaders in British basketball for branding and opportunity for every level. How are you, Mr. Lasker? Well, you mentioned off air, Jay. I'm, I'm like you. I got that coach's voice. I'm here ironically in san antonio texas for the national aau tournament and our brits could probably relate to this town as nba prospect jeremy sohan just got drafted here two days ago so yeah i'm not here for his party i mean i didn't get an invite but i'm here to coach up some kids so all in the fun my man what about you how are things down in the southwest lovely just enjoying the last of the weather and uh yeah, I've been I've been working from home the past couple of weeks, so like lots of planning, lots of meetings. But next week it all kind of goes again. So, um, you know, I'm I'm listening to that husky voice, getting a little PTSD because I'm not <laughs> not too far away from being in the same boat. But um, we like to be busy, both of us. So that's never a bad thing. Yeah, that's anyway. Style. Let's get this episode started. You know how it goes. It's your social media spy. It's the Marriott Minute. As Mr. Lasker just mentioned, Jeremy Sohan is now the name on every British basketball fan's lips. The Milton Keynes product fulfills a dream of all of ours, going number nine in the NBA draft to the San Antonio Spurs. A legend bows out of the game, Joe Leadham Warner announces her retirement from the game, having completed a clean sweep in the WBBL, doing it unbeaten and taking the London Lions deep into the European European competition. Adding also MVP of the league. I just want to say thank you personally, Joe, for everything you have given and hopefully continue. We don't want that to be the last that we see Joe for British basketball. Jamel Anderson is the latest to lead a mass exodus out of the Giants and moving back to the Cheshire Phoenix as the Phoenix continue to build an impressive British base. The Plymouth Raiders give us a week of treats led by the return of star guard Antonio Williams and veteran Rashad Hassan. They are joined by so far by Joe Hart, Troy Simons, James Hawthorne Jr. and Cam King. My Gloucester City Queens see young guard Molly James returning back stateside with Florida A&M University. So best of luck, Moles. Go smash it. And lastly, all I hear from my guy, Mr. Lasker, is how busy he is. His schedule is crazy. Yet he can tweet about a man stuffing bees down his vest. Something tells me he's getting plenty of time to get those feet up. And that's this week's Marriott Minute. I'm always watching. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy was that, man? I I mean, I don't. I literally go to my social media feeds. I'll have three spins, see what's on the timelines. And uh, if something catches my eye, I might spend a moment there. If not, I duck in and I get out. Post what I got to post and then move on. You know how it is, my man. But yeah, some crazy people in the world. We should have, you know, the last two years in the weekly, on the, on the, on the, on the weekly, um, 
Jeez, and we're in the off season. What do we call it? The weekly what? The weekly picks. Jeez. Yeah, the weekly picks. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. So the last two years we've had dinner on one another. Yep. Next year, the loser has to stuff bees down their trousers. I can't go for that. Wow. I mean, that just, we, <laughs> there, there's a few more steps before we get to something that crazy, but I guess, I guess we're going jackass style these days. Is that where we're going? You know? Yeah. Wow, ridiculousness. Uh... Yeah. Style. Yeah. But I mean, so much that I uncover in your minute, Jay, and let's just get right to it. Let's transition into hot takes. And obviously the biggest take of all is the first Brit being elected into the NBA draft for the first time in a decade since Ryan Richards was drafted second round to San Antonio Spurs. And now ironically, Jeremy Sohan is elected number nine overall in the NBA lottery to the San Antonio Spurs. Jay, what is your take on the first Brit being drafted? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Jeremy being drafted is amazing. I think I think it's great timing for us at the moment. You know, as I've seen, we, we, we've seen some some great Brits. You know, like off off the top of my head, and I'm going to miss a few people, but we go all the way back to Steve Bucknell, right, when he was at the the Showtime Lakers, and that was great for that era. Luol Deng, you know, Joel Freeland, that era kind of led the way. And and now we're starting to see it again with with Jeremy Sohan. I guess the only disappointing thing is not to ruin our chat with with Sam later on, but obviously he highlights the fact that, you know, he could have been a, a GB international and that would have been fantastic to see. But, you know, I, I think you mentioned it in the Twitter that there's a lot of people out there trying to claim him. And I think at the moment, what we need to do is celebrate the individual and the achievements he's done. He's He's gone to a great collegiate program in Baylor, performed as a freshman, shown that he was ready to make that step into the NBA. People knew he was talented, but the growth that he had within that year, it, it gave him the confidence to go. And, and at number nine as well, which, you know, I am a little bit of a geek. I do listen to the draft podcasts and stuff when I'm lifting weights, you know, a little bit higher than maybe people w- would have thought. But going to exactly the right team, you know, that's the team that you want to go to in terms of a culture and also understanding the international game. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited for the young man and, you know, for us to be able to sit here and talk about it, he has been a, a product of the British pathway. That's why we can talk about him. We're not claiming him. You know, we're not trying to ride on the back of his of his success. We're just merely um, really happy for the young man because I know both you and me, probably even now, like I'm in my 40s, we probably do from time to time daydream of what it would be like to be drafted oh, into the NBA. Yeah, I still watch the NBA draft to this day. And I was telling one of my players that I was actually watching it with, I told him I had one regret in my life and um, that's not making it to the NBA. And I don't know, you know, I obviously had a great career and, um, you know, things have worked itself out, but I don't know if I'll ever get over the fact that I didn't make the NBA. It was just a lifelong dream of mine. So to see Jeremy walking that stage in that beautiful little suit, man, that was clean. I'm just beaming from ear to ear. And I preface my comments by saying, I don't know him at all. I probably never even heard of his name until last year for the first time. And um, I mean, if you think about it, him and Cam are in the same, same class, both for freshmen. Cam was a freshman at Wake Forest. And Cam's name is a name that I heard, 
you know, for the last four or five years that was on my radar. I can't say that about Jeremy. I mean, he just literally popped up on the scene. And, and, and to go to your point that you mentioned earlier about claiming, I had to tweet that because it really annoyed me. And I saw a lot of comments in particular on Facebook and people like trying to piss on the parade. And I'm like, look, what, like, what does it matter? Like where he's from, he spent time in Great Britain. So the whole entire country can wrap his arm, their arms around him and claim him. And, um, you know, and, and the biggest thing I mentioned is like part of this hoop journey, and you can attest to this, Jay, there wasn't one person or one coach that helped you get to the States or get to, to the pro ranks. Like it was a community of people that help you reach your dreams. And it's the same there, whether he's from Polish, whether he's he was born in America, or whether he played for Solon or whether Milton Keynes, it don't matter. This kid just made it to the NBA mm. and that's what we should be celebrating. I think it's just a culmination of what everybody did and, and everybody that's, that, that's touched his life can be proud. But like I said, I, I've seen it so many times, you know, I, I had it with Jordan Blount, you know, like if you remember all those time ago when we were at Plymouth and, uh, and there was just so many people trying to claim him and where he was going and what I remember. he was doing and all yeah. the hype. And I, I, I really just didn't care. And even to this day, me and Jordan are as close as ever. Like he's like my son. And I never need to shout out loud because exactly. I privately tell him how proud I am. I privately tell him if he needs to do better. I don't need to shout it out to, to have a little celebration of myself. I do want to go back a little bit, though, and say to you, if you were to get drafted, would you be simple suit smooth? Or would you go banquero, <laughs> you, you know, go a little crazy? What would you do? I mean, come on, Jay. I think you know me well enough to know um, that... You know, I'm going to go all out. I just made it to the NBA and my bank account just seen a couple of M's. You know, that Sky Sports attire that you've seen, the River <laughs> Island, you know what I mean? The $29.99, that's going to be $2,099 when I got on my body. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm balling on a budget on the Sky Sports broadcast. But if I was on the NBA draft, you better believe I'm coming with the uh, with the who's who, the name brand, Gucci, Louis, all of that. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the Hublot, even though I don't like watches, I see Jeremy there rocking the Hublot and, you know, they're, they're uh, posting them on the IG. I, I'm not even a jury guy, but I'm going to put some bling bling around my neck. I might put a pinky ring, a, a ankle bracelet, all of that. I want everybody to know that. Yes, you're you're I that player it. that instantly gets put into the NBA program on how to spend your money. Oh I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I'm going. I'm going broke in two days. <laughs> yeah, but just to, just to piggyback off your point, Jay. Like as far as with the point with Jordan Blunt and and Jordan actually practiced with us in 2013 when I played for the for for the Plymouth Raiders and the people that were the most influential in Jeremy's journey, they probably, I guarantee you, they probably haven't even tweeted or ran their mouth. They probably like yourself. Just keep it to yourself. You don't need to go shouting to the world that, hey, it was me. Because right now it ain't about you. It's about that young man. Amen. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, let's transition and talk to a guy that knows a little bit more about this kid than we do. And I don't really know Sam that well. I don't know his story. I know of all the great influential things that he's doing for British basketball, some amazing stuff. So, you know, I didn't get a chance to get in this interview. So I'm excited to to tune in to this sit down with Sam Neater. Let's get him in the room.
Yep, let's let's get him in the room. Indeed, Sam has been on the radar for a long time. I've I've been waiting to get him in the room. I've gone on his pod. He's now coming on our pod. Hoops Fix is is the branding, I think, in British basketball. Oh, yeah. And I'm interested to hear his views. But more interestingly, let's talk about this summer pro am and where that can go. Let's get him in the room. It's Sam Nieter, Hoops Fix. Sam, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Long overdue. Yeah, very long overdue. I, I find it hard to believe that any of our listeners haven't heard of Hoops Fix. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, press the pause button now. Do your research. Enjoy. This is a true OG of British basketball. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that still haven't heard. Uh, we're still still not in every single corner of the country that we'd like to be in. Um, but hopefully we're, we're sort of slowly, you know, moving the needle and, and growing this thing. Um, I think we've been around long enough now that uh, hopefully we are becoming a bit more known than we used to be for sure. Absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, you guys are first class and, and uh, you know, we're, we're very lucky to get you in the room. Let's touch briefly on the name on all of British basketball's radar right now. Jeremy Sohan, pick number nine in the NBA draft by the San Antonio Spurs. Put the importance of this into a bit of perspective. Well, I think for any young basketball player coming up in the UK, there is now a legitimate role model, someone that has come through the same pathway they've come through, gone through the same things that they've gone through um, and made it to the big league. You know, that's what everyone is aspiring to do. Uh, that's where everyone wants to be. And now there is a real tangible human being there once again um, that has made it. I think it's it's massive, uh, you know, and as much as even probably comments on this podcast will be he's Polish and he's born in America, which has been obviously all the debate over, <laughs> over social and kind of we get it anytime we cover anything about him. I think people are missing the point, you know, regardless of what his passport is. Um, it's the fact that from a, from a basketball development standpoint and from a pathway standpoint, uh, he has done what every young British player is, is aspiring to do, um, come from the same place and gone through the same things. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's monumental. And I think also it's not just the fact that he's made it, but also for him as a person, uh, he is, you know, the consummate role model and is very keen and is, has, has said publicly many times that he wants to be an ambassador for British basketball and help sort of put the UK on the map as well as Poland. Um, but he's made that very clear. And I think that is super important as well. You know, it's, it's all good having someone in the NBA, but if they don't actually care about the game here, then it's whatever, isn't it? But he's, he's made it clear that he's invested in the game here. He cares about the game here. He wants to see the game thrive. He believes in the potential of British basketball. And I think that's what makes this so special. And hopefully is what, what means that it's going to, you know, really have a, a difference sort of moving forward as we see his career progress over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as a franchise ourselves that are trying to sort of move into that community model and work with academies and things like that, you know, having somebody like him, you know, I've heard already, you know, there's quite a few young players that were that were talking about him before he's even gone number nine. You know, that's a little bit higher than maybe we even thought he would go, you know, going into a great program like San Antonio Spurs, you know. And, and as you said, you know, I was going to touch on that basis, you know, it, it doesn't really... Where he's come from and and who who claims or owns him, I've I've seen this a million times before. is is really irrelevant. It's it's really what he wants to represent and where he's seen his roots grow. And and you know we played a part in that. So you know hopefully you know we'll see him lots. I would imagine there's some collabs with Hoop Six coming up. I, I know what you're like as a as a schemer and a and a planner, but uh, I, I'm just excited about it all the all the same. Listen, in the same week. 
We've obviously seen the retirement of GB legend Joe Leedham Warner. We had the absolute pleasure of a season of her here in the WBBO and obviously representing for us in Europe. What impact has she made, uh, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, she is our superstar. You know, I think for, for, for my generation, um, she has been the sort of the leading female player and, and one of the leading players, regardless of gender, um, for the last well, you know, two two decades, really, if you're talking about a junior career as well. Um, so it's kind of like the end of an era, you know, to see it all, see see her hang up the boots and kind of go on to the next stage in her career. I think it makes us all feel aged a little bit and realise that we're all kind of getting on. Um, but, you, you know, I mean, when you talk about sort of professional careers and what can be achieved and what she's achieved, it is up there with the best of them. You know, she's an all-time great. Um, and I think her impact on British basketball and her impact as a role model and an inspirational figure for, you know, hundreds of thousands of young people um, across the UK cannot be measured. So, you know, I think it's it's been really nice to see so many people celebrate her career and kind of give kind words over the last couple of days. Um, but for sure, we're going to miss her. Uh, and um, yeah, look forward to seeing sort of who who's the next one to take the take the torch um, and kind of become the next leading female uh, role model for, for British basketball. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, I hope she just doesn't kind of fade into the background. I hope she plays a, another role somewhere with, with, within basketball would be fantastic. We want to keep her around. Um, I'm with you. I'm just excited to see who's going to kind of come through, take the mantle. You know, my experience having coached against her this year, you know, was just, uh, I, I'm a real geek for basketball. So really observing, like, especially like what they're doing in the warmups, what's their body language, how they interact. And, and she's just a consummate professional. And, and, and I was really shocked, you know, like no, nobody would blame her for the career that she's had at being a little bit relaxed. And, and her intensity levels were kind of, I think, what made the, the Lions so great this season. You know, she came in as soon as it was time to start warming up, game face on. She was leading and making sure everyone was locked in. And then first possession, you know, down the floor, she, she's down and dirty and, and diving on the floor. And when you see somebody of that magnitude doing it, 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 it's absolutely infectious. So I think that, you know, Mark will definitely miss her from the program. We'll miss her from the WBBL. I, I think from a, from a media standpoint, we didn't make enough of just what a superstar she was, but um, you know, happy retirement to her. So look, as, as much as I value your opinions, I wanted to get, you know, a little bit quick. Well, I want to focus on you. The, the, the real reason for getting you into the room is to discuss the Hootsix Pro-Am. You know, how, how did this come about? And, and how long has this been in the pipeline? Oh, I mean, I have countless decks, PDFs on my laptop over the years for various different projects I've wanted to get off the ground. I mean, I've even got a Microsoft Word document uh, from 2011, I think, for the first idea, the first early concept of the Hoofix All-Star Classic. Um, so I kind of have various ideas of things that I want to do. Uh, and the Pro-Am, sort of a summer league of some type, has been one of the ones that I've always wanted to get off the ground. Um so, yeah, it's been years in the making, really, um, but it kind of only started coming to fruition quite late at the start of this year. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with Jordan Brand about the Hoopsfix All-Star Classic. And from their perspective, and I, and I feel like a lot of brands are moving this way, that they, they don't want just a single touch point. Um, they're actually looking for multiple touch points as opposed to just a one-day bonanza. And so, you know, they said, yeah, like, you know, we want to sponsor the Classic, but actually what else can be done? Like, what can we do so there's more stuff going on over the course of the summer? And I said, well, look, you know, if you if you want to be involved, we will do a program. We'll do a summer league. Uh, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, you know. And I think we can sort of start small and hopefully, you know, 
prove that there's a need for it, um, show the level of player that we can get and then hopefully build upon it from there. And that's kind of what's happened. You know, we, we're a week in um, going into the second weekend uh, this weekend. Um, you know, we've sold, I say sold out, but all the tickets have been registered both weeks, 250 each week. You know, the level of player is, I think, unmatched in terms of any other sort of recreational summer basketball that happens, not even recreational, but summer basketball that happens uh, in the UK. We've got GB players, you know, we've got pros from abroad, overseas that are back. We've obviously got BBL, WBBL players. Um, and it's just been a really nice coming together of the community. You know, you can go there on a Sunday um, and you can see loads of people that you haven't seen for a while, chill out, watch the games, play in the games. Um, and then, of course, we're trying to add a little bit of a branding touch to it as well, making sure we live stream all the games, putting out content, photography, graphics, um, to kind of try and spotlight these players. You know, there's many of them people do not see very often competing on on home home soil. And I think, you know, part of sort of growing British basketball is trying to make stars of our homegrown talent. And that's difficult when they're not here. Um, and so the guys and the girls that are sort of back that aren't around as much, He's really trying to put a spotlight on them and give people an opportunity to connect with them so they can build their following, build their fan base. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can build on that in years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just going off on a little bit of a tangent, like in terms of the effect that Brexit's going to have on on these players, you know, obviously there's still a big pool to go across the States. You know, you've made sure that you're NCAA certified to make sure that we can still see these stars. Do you see that having a major impact on being able to keep this talent in this country and and if so, will that help us in order to build the profile of, of this British talent? I mean, I think we're already probably seeing the impact of it somewhat. You know, there's a lot of, well, we all know there's way more British talent in the league than there has been in previous years. Um, and I'll say British players also taking more starring roles as well. It's not just a case of just there to make up the numbers. Um, you know, I think for the for the, for the the player that, that maybe isn't, uh, the best of the best. I think they're going to continue to get their get their get their jobs overseas or whatever. But the, the other ones that are kind of on the fringe, um, well, yeah, we'll start looking. Well, have started looking at the at the BBL a lot more seriously. Um, so yeah, for sure, it's had an impact, and I think that you know that's a good thing for us. Like it's only a good thing for us to have homegrown talent playing in the UK. Um, I think that that's the players that people want to see uh, without without question. I'd say you know previous. Previous to the last few years, you know, NBL Division One was the league that I knew sort of within the community was the one that people liked to go and watch because British players starred so much more heavily. Um, I think that is slowly starting to change. And that's, yeah, it's only a good thing. The professional league, as many people have said, you know, the professional league of any country needs to have homegrown stars in it. So the more of those we can have in it, the better, I think. And the, the only, it can only be a positive thing for British basketball. I agree with you. I think it's so, so important that when you look at the league as a whole, even when I was growing up, yes, there's, there's that excitement about um, adding American players and things like that, but also there's no greater feeling, like you said, than that homegrown talent coming through. You know, I, I, I came through an era in Plymouth, you know, where we had Gavin Love and Jamie Loveridge, Richard Whitehouse, all these players that, that I, I could aspire to look up to, as well as, you know, a few American players that, 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 you could you could get to see what the level is so you know hopefully I, I i'd like to see it grow in terms of the pro-am itself then if, if if we jump five years into the future like what what do you want the pro-am to look like you, you've already intimated like let's start small um you know let's get the right people in the room let's get the brand in right but but where can this go i mean at the moment i, I think I, I can't see a reason why why we wouldn't be able to go to a bigger venue with substantially more seats you know the problem is as we again we've heard many times in british basketball venues especially in london with seating a few and far between um you know you're, yeah and very expensive so 
you know, in London, you're pretty much limited to, I mean, let me think about this. We've got Brixton, which at the moment, the floor is broken. So you can't actually book it and have a show court booking with the seats out. And so until that's fixed, Brixton's out of the question. Obviously, you've got the copper box, 5,000 is too big and ridiculously expensive. Um, you've got City University, which is a potential option, but it's got walls on one side. So it makes it a little bit tricky. You've got Brunel, which is way out, way out in West London. Uh, and then you've got UEL, like those are pretty much the only options, um, which makes it challenging. So yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely room to grow. Um, like I was saying to, to saying to you before we sort of start recording, we have to make some decisions after this summer uh, what we're going to do in terms of monetizing it and whether or not, you know, because we're NCAA certified, that does rule out a number of ways that we'd normally be able to generate revenue, including selling tickets, including monetizing the streams, and because we can't be seen to be making money off the athletes in any type of way. That means we're leaving a lot of money on the table. So we've got to ask the question about whether or not that's worth doing or whether or not we can raise sponsorship, more sponsorship sort of make up for that lost revenue. Um, but yeah, I mean, playing in front of 500 to 1,000 people a week throughout the summer, you know, in a, in a decent venue with DJ, PA, you know, entertainment, like sort of mini events every single week. Um, I, I can't see why that that is impossible. I think, um, you know, this year we weren't planning on it being an event. It was like we just wanted to run games. Uh and then because we were aware that the venue is relatively small, um, we did sort of open up ticket registration to make sure that we're aware of our numbers. And I don't know whether that gave people the impression that it was an event. And so all of a sudden it sort of increased the demand for it. But yeah, like of course, you know, all of a sudden when you've got 250 people showing up, it's like, oh, we probably need to make a bit more of an effort here because we didn't have anyone. We had a 15-year-old girl on the mic doing the PA last week um, because we had no intentions of actually trying to run an event and cater to a crowd. It was like, <laughs> it'll be friends and family of the players and, uh, and then we'll stream it online and people want to watch or whatever. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's already, I guess, exceeded the level of expectation that we had. And that, that sort of makes me think that there is, you know, there's clearly a demand for this. People want to see it. People want to see these players play. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's shocking how little organized basketball happens outside of the season in the UK. Um, you know, when you're talking about the summer, we've got ball out, which Julius Joseph does a, does a great job of, and it's three on three. But outside of that, like, what is there really going on? Like, it's, it's crazy, especially when you're talking about London, a city of, 8 million people with all these professionals that are, you know, playing at very high levels all over the world and in, and in the UK, um, there's no real opportunities to play organized basketball with referees, you know, table official statisticians um, like you would in, in other countries. So, you know, that's pretty crazy. But then that said, I also understand even being a week in why people don't do it because it is a massive, massive ball ache. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress and there's not that much return either. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously I love it and, and I do it for, for that reason. But I understand why people, why people wouldn't want to sort of take over their summer with this stuff. Let me kind of ask you a question then. In, ter in terms of direction, is, is this more similar to, say, an American model and we're looking at like a Drew League type environment? Or I know we're both really big fans of, of kind of Australian basketball, especially like the setup within it. And obviously... It's their winter, but it is essentially a summer league, a condensed into three months, and they're kind of building on that as it goes along. Could we potentially do the same thing, or do you see it just staying as that more American model, Drew League, event, hype, fashion, brand type thing? Yeah, I, I see it more as a Drew League type summer league at the moment, as opposed to a more formalized thing. Um, that's for a number of reasons. I think that's what's kind of needed at the moment. I don't know if we... we 
you know, if you're going down trying to run a proper league and 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 trying to operate as a proper league, I think that changes the amount of resource, time, money, everything else that you need quite substantially. So I think, yeah, the, the Drew League model works perfectly. And I think that is what, at the moment, London needs. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the focus uh, right now. And obviously, look, you, you've been a leading voice for a long time on, on British basketball, you know, brand, creative, opportunities um, at several different levels. As, as a community, how close are we to achieving the dreams and aspirations that you set out at the start of this journey? You know, obviously, the last couple of years, we've seen a boom. You know, I think that's got a lot to do with, uh, you know, community elements. I think it's got a lot to do with the, the, the BBL and the Sky Sports moving forward. How close are we or are we still way off in your opinion? I mean, I hate to be the grumpy old cynic, but I think we're miles off, you know. <laughs> uh, I think we're absolutely miles off. If we're being absolutely real about where we are as a sport, we are miles off. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't believe in the potential of it and, and uh, how, far, how far we could get. But right now, um, we've got a lot of work to do. And I think, I think the scale of ambition needs to change. And that's one of the things I, I actually really like about 777 and what I've heard from 777 and the stuff that they've been doing. You know, as, as ridiculous as it sounds to hear them say, you know, you want to be the second best, second best league in the world outside of the NBA or you want to be the leading league in the world on digital. Um, that's where the ambition should be. You know, we're never going to be the powerhouse that we all want to be if we're not thinking like that. Um, I wish the sport would think bigger. I think, you know, the, the, the general scale of ambition within, within the sport, whether it's the higher level or the lower level, is generally so small that um, it's going to be hard to change anything. And it's going to be hard to attract sponsorship, commercial revenues, TV deals, all that kind of stuff, as long as that stays like that. So um, I think, yeah, where we are right now is definitely needs a lot of, lot of work. Um, I think anyone that says otherwise is probably kidding themselves. You know, I'm kind of in the trenches week in, week out. I deal with clubs, coaches, players week in, week out. I speak to them. Um, I've got a pretty good feel for what's going on on the ground. I think there's a, a, a massive amount of frustration with where we are. Uh, you know, even I did the podcast with Joe, uh, obviously after announcing her, her retirement. And, um, you know, and a big section of that became just frustration with the federations and, and her saying basically burn the whole thing down and start again. You know, she's been in the country for a year. And not a single person from the Federation has really tried to engage with her or use her in any type of way, which is, you know, very disappointing to hear. So, um, you know, that's just symptomatic of the wider things. Jeremy Sohan, you know, again, like he doesn't have a British passport. He wanted to play for GB when he was younger. He played for the England under 15s and that was never sorted out. That is a failure of the administration. And that is, you know, again, like such a shame because we would have a top 10 draft pick not only playing in the NBA, but then playing for GB in our qualifying games for whether it's the World Cup or Eurobasket or wherever it might be, um, which has the power to, to change everything. So there's just all these, you know, we, we shoot ourselves in, in the foot so often. It's really hard to see the path forward. But I do think that it has the potential, but there needs to be a lot of change if we're ever going to reach it. Is it literally a fact that you think that we need fresh blood into the into those certain areas? Do you think it's a a collaboration issue or, or do you think it is just that everybody's so stretched that we're all in survival mode like what it, or it could be symptoms of all the all, all of the above you know because to hear a powerful message like that you know coming from from a figure like joe that's saying burn it down start from the ground we've heard it before um from people like deng we've heard from pops you know we we've heard this continuous theme you know what is it that you think needs to change is is there one thing that you can pinpoint 
I mean, I always say that it's not a single thing. I think it's, it's everything. You know, it's kind of all comes together to create the perfect storm. Uh, and so that, that makes it even harder to come up with a plan, really, because there are all these different factors. But if I, if I was to point to a single thing, for me, it has to come down to the leadership of the sport. Like they are the ones that are meant to be creating the vision and getting everyone to buy in and follow follow it. And I think this sport historically has struggled with leadership. You know, there is a you know, constant infighting. Even now, you know, the federations are trying to come up with this collaborative working agreement. You know, UK sports ring fence this money for the for the, for GB that's not being released until this collaborative working agreement is done. Obviously, Tony Minicello has retired has has stepped down from his from his chair role. It's just time and time again, this stuff keeps on happening. We just don't seem to learn the lessons. And it's like, why are we still here? How many independent reviews or how many reports have to be done into you know, the state of British basketball? And why is it not reaching its potential? How many news articles do we have to see? And as much as I can say, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's on the leadership, it's on the administration, they need to sort it out. Also, it's on the membership. You know, these these federations are our member bodies. That's on the clubs and and the coaches and the players that are all members to take it upon themselves to say, Do you know what, this isn't good enough. We want more for our sport and step up and be heard. You know, I feel like British basketball is is plagued by apathy a little bit. You know, everyone is willing to complain about stuff, but very few people are willing to get in the trenches to try and actually change it. And you know, if you're not happy with what the federations are doing or, or, or what they're not doing, then then stand up and be heard and try and do something about it. You know, it's, it's, it's easy for anyone, especially in the day, day and age of the internet. We're all keyboard warriors. You know, everyone likes to have an opinion and put it out there on Twitter thinking they're doing their bit. It's like, no, that's not doing anything. Get off your keyboard, go outside and do something. You know, if you want to change basketball, take it upon yourselves to change it. Um, and I think until we have a collective approach where we all believe in the potential of it, we all believe in the power of it, and we take it upon ourselves to do something about it, and again, nothing's going to change. No, I absolutely love that and, and agree on so many different levels, you know, and uh, I kind of want to focus on your personal journey. You know, the, the Hoot6 brand has evolved. Like, Has it gone as you thought? Did everything go to plan or has it grown in ways that you couldn't have imagined? Definitely hasn't gone to plan. Uh, you know, I mean... My plan was to be a millionaire by 25 and retired, you know, so uh, it definitely hasn't gone to plan. But, uh, you know, I think there's definitely obviously progress being made. Like I said to you, kind of, again, like there is sort of momentum there that, that hasn't been there before. But I'd be lying if I said it was easy and all things were, were you know, roses. There's, you know, a lot of issues, I think, financially working out the model to, to make it sustainable is still um, is still challenging and still something I'm working out. I, th- I feel like I've got an idea of how it can work and it's kind of sort of trying to execute on it. But again, it's, it's operating in such a small market, like British basketball is such a small market and facing the reality of that, you realize there are definite limitations that you can't do things that you do in other niches that would be really, really successful because of the size of the market, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean... <laughs> There is sometimes I'll, I'll sort of stop and take stock and, and, and look at certain things that we've achieved. And I would be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm proud of that. But when I think about what we're trying to do, uh, what I believe that we can do, we haven't even scratched the surface. You know, I think that um, there is so much room to have impact, to grow. And, you know, my scale of ambition is frankly, like ridiculous. I think if I was to tell you all the things that I want to do, a lot of people would think that I'm absolutely loony. So yeah, like you know, I need to do, probably do a better job of celebrating the wins. You know, if someone had told me mm. two, three, four years ago that I'd have a court in Clapham Common with the Hoopsfix logo on the centre of it, I would tell them they're joking. And you know, and I'd love that. But again, it's kind of, I guess, 
the goalposts are constantly moving. You achieve one thing and it's just, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, we're working on the court in Birmingham. And then once that's done, we're going to work on the court in Manchester. You know, we're looking at other, all sorts of other things, other exciting projects that, you know, some of which will be announced this summer. Um, others were sort of much longer term projects. You know, I'm, I'm in this for life. Like I'm a lifer, you know, I'm not sort of thinking, oh, what can I achieve in the next sort of 12 months and then see what's next? Like, you know, I'm thinking about this thing on a 20, 30, 40, 50 year scale. And obviously that is a competitive advantage because not a lot of people are thinking like that. Um, and that allows me to play the slow game, you know, like build the audience, um, build the community, and then sort of ideally look to galvanize them, engage them to then achieve the things that I'm trying to do to, to really change the game here. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, like especially over the last couple of years, I've seen a, a lot of people trying to to aspire to be in your sphere of of expertise. You know, what, what would be the advice that you give to them? You know, because not not to take the excitement away, because it, like I said, I, I I love your branding. Like, I love the excitement that, that, that comes with the events that you're building and things like that. But, you know, these people can be under no illusion that this is 24 hours a day this is the the slow grind this is this is the wins are little chips they're not you know little chips in a wall they're not they're not these huge great big things that you see you know so you're rocking up and there's this huge pro-am and people are thinking wow i can do that but actually like like you were saying kind of off air is you know there's lots of bits of paper lots of old documents lots of old sketches and i find myself in it in that same sphere there's lots of things that might not happen there and then but you keep hold of them and you work it through and maybe later on it comes to fruition so what what's kind of the advice that you give to them because surely there must be some times where you're like am i certified nutcase and then there's other times where like you said you're stood in the middle of a court with jordan brand next to your hoops fix brand it must be incredible yeah, I mean, you know, I have a lot of conversations with with young content creators. Um, you know, shout out to all those guys. You know, it's, it's great to have so many young, hungry people that are trying to grow the game. I think uh, the baselines used to be very lonely places um, for for a number of years at the start. So now, I rejoice when I look around and see all these all these people trying to do a media platform and try and sort of shine a light on our sport. But the thing I always say to them is like, you know, right now if you're young and you're motivated. And you want to do this because it's fun. But after a few years and you're not making any money and you've got real world responsibilities, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to make a decision. And that's why we end up losing so many people in this sport, because at some point they have to make that decision. So I always say, you know, work out what the business model is going to be, you know, work out how you're going to make money, because that's what's going to allow you to do this long term. And it's the longevity that, that we need. It's the long termism which we've we've suffered from because generally it's it's hard to survive in British basketball for a long time and be financially viable, keep your head above water, um, and that's why we see so many franchises going bust, so many people coming in and out of it um, because it's yeah it's an absolute grind. You know I'm I'm obviously I need to make sure that I mention Bradley Bradley Gaines be my right hand man for for years now. And, you know, without him, like he takes a lot of weight off my shoulders. He's, he's a, a very different thinker to me, um, way more analytical um, and probably detail orientated. And that helps massively. Um, and so like that's kind of taken the pressure off and allowed us to really expand the stuff that we're doing, especially on the women's side of things. So I just want to make sure I give him his flowers. But yeah, and that's the same thing I say to all, all these young guys, like work, work out what the vision is. Uh, work out how you're going to make money and then sort of move forward from there. You know, it's, it's all good getting 10,000 views on a video, but actually it doesn't change anything. You know, it's, it's not going to move the needle in any type of weight. 
And so really it's like, what is the business model? What are the business goals? And then work out how to use the content to serve those business goals. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, you'll be able to be around uh, a lot longer than, than others. Love it. So tough question for you. And, you know, maybe it's a chance for you to give flowers to somebody else as well. Like who, who do you look around? You, like you said, you're in the trenches, you're seeing, you're seeing everything for what it is. Who, who are you seeing up and coming that you see as maybe the next hoops fix or like maybe creating their own pathway that you, you are getting excited about personally? I mean, there's a bunch of guys to shout out. Um, I'm going to start with uh, with Eddie Lati, who LV Visuals and the Come Up official. Both of those guys were kind of on their own little path and ended up sort of joining forces with Hoops Fix to help me out a lot with filming stuff. So I have to give credit to them because I think they they almost sacrificed their own platforms a little bit to kind of be a part of a bigger thing that's allowed us to increase our capacity. And then outside of that, obviously everyone knows Derek um, with these reels. You know, he's doing great stuff. Love that. Obviously, the guys at SBB, um, you know, love what they're doing, going around the country, rating courts. Um, Kareem, underrated, underrated GB. Like, the quality of his stuff is, is unmatched. Uh, content creator that I've recently sort of started working with and come across is David Adadero, um, who's his edits, the edit that we did for Foot Locker from the classic was him. And that is just top-notch. Um, you know, Ben, uh, Ben Davison, BDAB Media, like there's just, there's so many guys. And that's what I mean. Like even to think of all of them, like hang time, like he's doing his own all-star game, um, next weekend, I think it is, which, you know, is, is a joy for me to see because we need stuff like that happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't even pick a single one. Like I need to give credit to all of them because I hope that, you know, they're going to be a part of this, pushing this thing forward, like long after I'm gone. So yeah, I love to see it, to be honest, and, and just want to help support them as much as I can, give them advice where I can um, to help us grow this thing. Awesome. Love that. Well, you know, this is the BBL show. So let, let's finish just focusing on the BBL just quickly. Two teams in Europe next season, Lions and Riders. How excited are you for this? And, and what can this do for British basketball? I mean, I'm, I'm massively excited. You know, we need to see British teams competing in Europe. Um, you know, I think the Lions being in the Euro Cup was a surprise to everybody. Uh, no one was expecting that. Came out, came a bit out of left field. Um, but yeah, massive. I mean, be interesting to see how they're going to play it. The budgets that they're going to be working with, they're going to need to be working with are pretty insane. And I think that it, it means that we're probably going to see a European roster and a BBL roster again. Um, you know, I know some of the conversations of players they're having, you know, British players that they're having conversations with are sort of top tier and it'd be great to see some of those guys back. Um, and that's what it can do. And that's sort of the power of competing in Europe. You know, there are players, in fact, there was one player this offseason had a conversation with a GB player who said he, he, he wouldn't want to play in the BBL, but if he was going to play in the BBL, it would, there would need to be a European option. And so all of a sudden you're going to potentially have a shot of guys that you wouldn't otherwise get because you have that sort of nugget. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's great for the league. You know, I, I question, you know, every every time this has happened in recent years, or I say every time like it's happened loads, but, you know, we've seen it in, in, in previous years. You always think that it's, it's going to help move the needle with the mainstream media, but it never has. And, and that is, um, that's a perplexing and, and, and makes me question whether or not it's going to have the impact that we'd hope it would have on a, on a broader scale. Um, and I think it's just proof of how hard it is to cut through, um, but you know, maybe maybe with the Lions in the Euro Cup, it being something a little bit different, that will um, garner some coverage. I don't know. We'll see. I think the initial announcement, I didn't see it picked up in in any sort of mainstream news outlets. Um, 
but we'll see when as sort of the season the season begins. Uh, and obviously, it's great to see you know Leicester having another go at it. You know, they obviously made that initial attempt and kind of came back in. You know, took stock and are now going again. And I think they're going to return. You know, a number of a number a lot of their core. Which is great to see. You know, we we need the con- continuity um, in the league for fans to be able to build that connection with players. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. Like, I think it's it's great for the league, great for British basketball, and hopefully, you know, we can actually start having some some success on the continent as well. Listen, Sam. Look, you know, we we appreciate your time here on the summer road trip. Good luck for the rest of the pro am. As you said, Thank like, you. you know, a few more grey hairs are probably going to be uh, popping up and arising. But um, you know, it's always a pleasure spending time with you. Probably not enough time, to be honest. We'd love to deep dive a little bit more. So maybe some point in the season we can get you back. But uh, it's no doubt. just trying to light on something you're doing. I, I think it's fantastic. It's much needed as well. And 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 I hope it just leads to more. That's that, that's the key. I hope it leads to more for you. But also, I think it, hopefully it leads to more for the UK. So uh, you know, good luck, my friend. 100% appreciate you having me on obviously love what you're doing with the BBL show I'm a regular listener so keep up the great work and uh, look forward to listening to future episodes thanks mate I'll speak to you soon well as you can see there Mr. Lasker a great interview what, yes, what I indeed. love about Sam is you know strongly outspoken from a really knowledgeable place as it as he says like it, it, in his words like he, he's you know he's on the ground he's he's in the mix he's seeing it all and, uh, you know, best of luck to him with with this summer pro-am. Obviously, getting to talk to him a little bit before and a little bit after as well. Just sharing our grind as well. You know, what's really funny about it is we're, we're all kind of talking about um, how grateful we are for these opportunities, but also how overwhelming they can be at times, you know, and and how sometimes you just got to grit and grind it through. And, yeah, and sometimes it's not about the five-year plan. It's about just surviving that day. Um, but he does some fantastic things. And um, I think he's making a breakthrough. So, uh, you know, he deserved his uh, flowers here on the BBL show. So thanks, Sam, for, for your time. And uh, that's another episode wrapped on the road trip. Things, things go fast around here, Mr. Lasker. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, great shout out to Sam. That was a great interview, Jay. And and I mentioned before that I don't know Sam that well. I just know him from I know him from afar. But one thing that I can say about him is that he is the people's champ. Everything that he's doing is for the people. He's doing it for British basketball. And um, you got to love that. You got to respect the time and effort that he's taken to grow the game. And so, yeah, that's just fantastic stuff. I want to give Sam his flowers, but looking at the time, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Like I mentioned, guys, I got another tournament game here, and um, I might not have no voice after four o'clock. So I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. So we will see you same place, same time here on the show. The show. Thanks for listening to the BBO show. The BBO show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.